Welcome to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, a CME podcast series where each week we translate today's late-breaking clinical research and news into tomorrow's practice. I'm Frank Domino, professor in the Department of Family Medicine and Community Health at the University of Massachusetts Medical School and editor-in-chief of the 5-Minute Clinical Consult series. Be sure to visit primed.com podcast after the discussion for more information about today's article and to claim CME-CE credit. Kelly is here for her well visit. She's 22 and in good health and is ready to have her first GYN exam. Her mother and older sisters told her that she should have had this done before and was surprised. She is in a monogamous relationship of two years, uses a barrier method 100% of the time, and, and otherwise feels well. She's up to date on her HPV vaccine and has no other risk factors. As you begin, she asks, should I have had this test sooner? Hi, this is Frank Domino, and joining me today is Dr. Jill Terrian, Associate Professor and Director of the Nurse Practitioner Program of the University of Massachusetts Medical School's Graduate School of Nursing. Good morning, Jill. Good morning, Frank. So, the world changes. HPV vaccine has dramatically altered how... uh, how we, we approach um, screening for, for uh, cervical cancer. Can you tell us what the older guidelines were and what the new guidelines say? Absolutely. The American Cancer Society's last update was in 2012, so this is 2020 update. And there basically are four changes. They include cervical cancer screening to begin at age 25. The older guideline was age 21. So basically, no screening under the age of 25. The second change is that the age range is 25 to 65 for screening every five years with the preferred screening test as as the HPV test alone. The prior guidelines to this were screening aged 30 to 65 with co-testing, meaning the liquid-based cytology and the HPV co-testing. Another change is that screening is recommended every five years through age 65. Prior to that, it was every three years. And that overall healthcare providers should transition to primary HPV testing alone as this guideline on, you know, rolls out. But what I want to say- That's pretty amazing. Frank, It is amazing, and if you think about HPV vaccination and where we've come, they have lots of data. And they are saying, and what the data is demonstrating, is that they have the ability to decrease the rates of cervical cancer about 13% using HPV testing alone. Well, that, that certainly makes our job easier. Um, these new guidelines apply to women of average risk. What, what does that mean? Yes, what is meant by average risk? So it, yes. what is meant by average risk? The guideline update applies to these women who are initiating screening or have had only or have been returned to routine cervical cancer screening based on follow-up recommendations from the risk-based management consensus guidelines, which are attached to this. Uh, podcast for your review. Basically, we're talking about women that if they had uh, cervical intraepithelial neoplasia grade two or higher, that they had been treated 
and had gone through that follow-up process and then were recommended by their provider to turn to, return to every five-year screening. Okay, so people who haven't had an abnormal result or if they've had an abnormal result had its workup completed and returned to basic screening. So great, every five years, that, that's a huge change. So Jill, what were the harms associated with screening at the younger age of the old guidelines? Well, the harms can really be um, attributed to a benefit to the patient or a risk to the patient. We do know that HPV, if a patient has it, usually clears over one to two years, and that if you detect HPV and you treat it, you might overtreat the patient and overtest the patient, and that could have harms later down the line. Uh, you think about usually a treatment of the cervix that's abnormal is some sort of cryotherapy or uh, something that will actually thin the cervix area. And that can have implications possibly later on for, you know, carrying uh, a child and they could have trouble later on in their reproductive ages. And it would probably induce a fair amount of angst and stress and cost. So I, I totally agree. Moving the guidelines back sounds terrific. Um, so let's say you, you, you move to the new guideline and you just do HPV testing. What do we do when we get an abnormal result? You would follow your normal procedures. If you had an abnormal result, you'd look up your guidelines. I would be calling my resource, which would be uh, an OBGYN provider, to consult the patient to find out what the current treatment guidelines were for the abnormality. It possibly could be retesting in three months. It could be referral to that provider, but I would be following what the guideline was based on what the result was of the test. Okay, great. So not really a big change in how we manage abnormal results. Jill, this is great. Uh, for low risk, for average risk patients, this, this is helpful. What about for patients who have not completed their HPV vaccine? What should we do or recommend for them? If they have not completed their HPV vaccine or haven't been vaccinated, you would follow the guidelines for vaccination. And I do know, well, and what has, what has been practiced currently is the recommendation is to not restart the series, but to actually, if they missed one dose, to give that dose at that time. The other thing, Frank, you bring up, you know, how does HPV vaccination play into these guidelines, and it doesn't at all. It doesn't matter if the, if the woman has had HPV vaccine or not. These guidelines do stay the same, but with any patient that comes in and is not up to date on vaccinations, you want to make sure that you get them vaccinated. Wow, that's terrific, Jill. So um, based upon these guidelines, start at 25, every five years, HPV testing, and um, if they haven't been fully vaccinated, get them back on track. That's terrific. Yeah. This, this lowers our work burden. It lowers the, the risk of false positives with patients and can be very reassuring to preventing uh, cervical cancer. That's right, Frank. And I think with any guideline change, it's, it's hard. It's hard for providers to make that shift. And the last, you know, the last piece of this, they know there's going to be a transition for this. And that, you know, healthcare providers, as more data continues to come out and be in favor of this, 
that healthcare providers can be reassured that cha this change can be a positive one for their patients. Jill, thank you very much. This is an important new uh, bit of information and will dramatically change our practice. Thank you, Frank. Practice pointer. New guidelines state to initiate cervical cancer screening at age 25 and repeat every five years using just HPV testing, regardless of HPV vaccination status. Join us next time when we talk about the role of alcohol consumption on cognitive decline and dementia. Thank you for listening to Frankly Speaking About Family Medicine, brought to you by PrimeMed. To claim credit and receive additional information about the article referenced in today's episode, visit primemed.com slash podcast and see you next week.